4: Guys, to be honest, I'm not even going to do an intro this week. Connor Clancy, Kev Fugjalski, Vito Doria. Sorry, um, there's been more. Should we just leave it there? Because I don't really know what else to say anymore. Kev, hello.
0: Hi, Connor. Yeah, there's uh, certainly been more. I've limited my uh, screen time this weekend, and I feel the better for it. I I maxed on four full games and left the rest to
2: highlights.
4: Um, I think you've done more than me this weekend. Vito, how are you?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Um, yeah, it just seems to be going so fast, especially since we've... Uh, You know, had to watch so many games at once. So, with all these rounds being crammed in, we've had to cram the pod in. So, yeah, it's. uh, I just want to try and avoid repeating ourselves so much.
4: Yeah, I should say before, um, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, thinking that you're going to hear talk about last night's game between Inter and Torino, uh, just turn off, I suppose, because we're recording this on Sunday evening. It's probably going to be released on Monday morning before Torino-Inter. Uh, or into Torino because, well, I mean, we had to find a way to do this and this was the only way for us to do it this particular week. But, Kev, do you know what I've just realised? This round of fixtures is the reverse of of when we last met on that beautiful day in Torino.
0: It was indeed. I I knew that, yeah. i spotted it because I remember that game being so horrific and being sat there soaked to my boxers probably.
4: Might have discussed this at the time, but have you ever been that wet at a football match before?
0: No, that's that's probably easily the wettest. you know, especially that moment when the Titanic came past down the sort of Turin High Street.
4: <laughs> yeah, and at that point, I would have said the exact same thing, but since then, it might have been something we discussed in the pod at the time, I went to Udinese for, for I went to Udinese for Udinese Cagliari, and the stadium there is in the middle of absolutely nowhere and we got drenched as I was in the point of no return basically and I remember it rained for about three minutes but it was as if someone had dropped the Atlantic Ocean on us in those three minutes and I went inside and I shook my shirt and like a puddle of water fell out of my shirt and that has never happened to me before Um, and obviously being in Udine I was quite far from home (laughs) it wasn't ideal but anyway um, right so Guys there have uh, there has been more football and just looking at the results now I'm kind of confused because I was convinced I watched Lazio Sassuolo live today being Sunday but that was yesterday afternoon that I watched that live so that's where my head's at at the moment but I suppose we should probably start with the most meaningful game of of this round which is round 32 37 who knows it was Juve-Atalanta. Atalanta went to Turin, having having won nine games in a row. Juve off the back of a 4-2 defeat against AC Milan. And it's fair to say, Vito Doria, that Juve will be delighted to have escaped with a point.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, just watching this particular game, I thought, regardless of what people think of the penalties Juventus got or the interpretations from the referee of the penalty decisions uh, overall I thought Atalanta played much better they were far more cohesive their key players stood out a lot more and um, they probably should have scored more than the two goals than they did on Saturday night when I think of this Juventus performance I thought that dibala looked like he was capable of uh, doing something and creating some spark but even ronaldo with the two penalties i thought overall his performance was a bit under par especially for his standards and uh, if we look at uh, juventus's right side which was juan Cuadrado, um adrian rabio and uh, federico bernardeschi i thought they were largely outplayed during the game especially with the way Someone like Berard Jim City was pushing forward. Timothy Castagne, he was uh, very strong on the left side. And uh, Rema Freuler was excellent. I thought it was one of the best games I had seen him play.
4: Oh, I seem to think that about Remo Froiler ten times a season. You just you just watch him play and he, he always seems to outdo himself. As I suppose you could say for, for the entirety of this Atalanta side, Kev... Is Vito's assessment of the game something that you'd largely agree with or have you another take on things?
0: Um, No, I'd I'd largely agree. I think um, because Juve are the reigning champions, you know, Vito went through a list of probably the things that that Juve were doing wrong. But as I sort of watched the game with phone in hand like we all do, several of the the people that I follow or maybe you follow that you've retweeted um, on Italian football were we're making the point that Ante- Atalanta are probably the best team in Italy you know, over the last couple of years. And obviously Juventus fans or whoever will come on after this and say, you know, Totals is what sort of sets you out as the best team in Italy. But, you know, it, it, they're, they're fine margins, really, when you're talking about entertainment and how many points they've amassed and, and the style in which they do it and the budget with which they do it. You know, I, I think we do a disservice to talk about what Juve did wrong Or how badly they paid to not win, as opposed to Atalanta with a superior side for the majority of this game. And they were really, really unfortunate not to take all three points.
4: If you take performance and compare it to expectations, I don't think there's any doubting that Atalanta have been the best performing team in Italy this season. Um, Probably last as well, And even forgetting taking expectations into it. If you look at the points amassed since January 1st, as we discussed on the last pod, which seems like yesterday, Atalanta are top of Serie A. And that doesn't change now, obviously, because Lazio lost and Juve drew with Atalanta, who were the closest two in that list at the time. Um, But this, I, I felt like, personally speaking, this Atalanta performance went one beyond what we've even seen from them over the last nine months. Twelve on Twitter, however long this season's been, and over the last four years under Gasparini, there was the, a great video doing the rounds on, on Twitter. I retweeted it as well, which was in the build-up to Duván Zapata's goal. Atalanta kept the ball for eight minutes and 11 seconds without Juventus getting a single touch in Atalanta's own half. Obviously, Juve had a few touches here and there to, to commit a foul or to take a goal kick. But other than that, for eight minutes and 11 seconds, culminating in Zapata's goal, you didn't get a touch of the ball, Kevin. This is something that we, we saw teams like Pep Guardiola's Barcelona side, right, who are thought of by many as the greatest football team to who have ever existed. And Atalanta are doing things like that against the nine-time Scudetto champions in their own backyard.
0: Yeah, I mean, think that's a, that's a bit where the collective of the group, um, not necessarily how long they played together, but um, the understanding of the methods that Gasparini sets them out to play comes into it. And then also on the the other side, you have Juventus that, you know, have have, their titles have been formed on the basis of a strong defence and then that individual talent to sort of win games for them. And we've seen them do that, you know, in the last few weeks where individual talent has won them games but when you've got something like Atalanta have got and you know it's 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 smooth the transitions of play you know what can you say Gasparini's done, done wonders there
4: yeah it's it's impossible as ever to talk about Atalanta without mentioning their captain their playmaker their everything I suppose Papu Gomez Vito he got another assist but If you watch his performance, particularly in the first half, because he did come off not too long into the second, this is one of the most complete performances I think you could ever dream to to find.
2: Another interesting thing to point out is that he's about 32 years old now, but he still runs like someone that's a good five or six years younger than that. The amount of ground he covers, the way he does it, his energy, his speed... Uh, It's quite incredible. And then, of course, on a technical level, he's superb. So although Atalanta have this fantastic system under Gasparini, um, he's still able to stand out in his own way and make his own contributions for the best of the team. If we talk about the goal in particular, I thought that was some excellent uh, understanding and play between uh, Zapata and him. I mean, for the excellent combination play that Atalanta perform in general play, I thought with that goal, just the two of them and the individual class really shown in that particular moment. And, uh, yeah, just uh, with uh, Papu, he's been outstanding for this team. And, uh, yeah, definitely someone that should be in the Serie A team of the season uh, for any sort of, you know, TV channel or programs, websites, newspapers and so forth because he's looking outstanding even at 32.
4: I remember you said that when you're compiling your team of the season in a couple of weeks. Sam. So I'll be keeping an eye out on that one, Vito. But no, you're He'll absolutely right. will make it. Right. And, make one. and so he should, right? He, he should be one of the first names on the Zeriad team of the season this season and each of the last four. I mean, he's just been so consistent. And what's most impressive about Papu in particular is that every season he's slightly changed under Gasparini. In-, in Gasps' first season he was pivotal, second even more so, third even more so, and this season even more so, but this season he's doing it in a completely different role. and It's a role that we first really saw from him here in Parma actually in March 2019 where he basically just decided himself, okay, I'm going to play central midfield today, and since then he's done it quite often and he did it against Juve and Vito the you mentioned that he's 32 now do you think this new position that he has kind of carved out for himself is something that could add a couple of more years to his career
2: definitely when he first arrived in Italian football he came as a winger so um I don't think he was a speed merchant but uh, he definitely did have the speed and uh, He had some technique back then already. He did show the skills off when he was at Catania. As he has evolved since joining Atalanta, um, he's played in different positions. Um, He's developed greater comfort on different parts of the pitch. And especially this season and maybe the one before, he has started to develop this comfort in dropping into deeper positions. So I think with experience... And when you consider his age, eventually that speed's going to wear off and even the stamina might um, take a bit of a hit as well. So if we can use his experience to best effect and sharpen what is already a rather fine football brain already, I think uh, that will make a difference as uh, his uh, career eventually comes to a close.
4: I would agree with that, Kev. Last thing on Atalanta, then we kind of joked about it the other day, and people were speaking about it as well o- online. But I mean, Atalanta, Atalanta, and the Scudetto, right? It was it was never really going to happen this season. We were, we were saying that more in jest than anything else. But if you look at this squad of players, you're going to question why would any of them leave this season? I mean, they had offers for some of the big players last year. They didn't go. Percassi has said Ilichic and Papu will go nowhere. Duban Zapata is going nowhere. Everyone else is is up for sale at the right price. But bearing in mind what they've achieved, one, why would you want to go? But two, if they stay, is there actually the possibility that this this tiny, tiny club could be challenging for the for the title next season?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you've seen it in in other leagues where. Uh, you know, you'll do these av- you know these points per game for sort of half a season, and providing nothing really changes or, or you improve over the pre-season. You continue that consistency and then you find sort of an outsider, um, if you like, have a challenge at a total. You know, <laughs> go to the Eng- English game. We, there was two instances, really, there was uh, Klopp's Liverpool before they came one point behind City with 97 points, and there was Leicester almost took on the form from when they kept themselves up if if they maintain this level of consistency picking points up at this rate they can challenge for the Scudetto next year
4: that's crazy to say isn't it but I actually can't disagree with you I really can't Gasp said it himself well, all of the players said look the Scudetto is nothing we're thinking about but Gasparini spoke about how playing in the Champions League early in the season costs them some points And if you think of some of their slips, particularly, I remember the one at Bologna when they lost after qualifying from the Champions League group stages and it was the players looked hung over at the Dallara that day.
0: I also think that this summer, because we're going to have this extremely short break before the next season, clubs aren't going to want to change. You know, they're not going to have the finances to sort of change their squad makeup too much. You're going to have such a small period to sort of bed them in. Um, You know, they've got the added bonus of Champions League football, which is... uh, it might not even be statistically guaranteed, but let's say it's not going to drop out of those places now. So then they, they can sort of make, retain any of those players that would potentially have been
4: picked up by, um, by others elsewhere by being able to provide them with Champions League football. Yeah, well, they're now 13 points clear. They're they're still third ahead of Inter's game, obviously. They've probably dropped down to fourth. But they're four, 13 points clear of Roma with five rounds of fixtures left to go. Um, 18 it's five rounds is fifteen points, but we'll overlook your oh. maths again. Um but that's <laughs> as confirmed as it can be without being mathematical, right? A thirteen point swing and five rounds of fixtures when you're a team who have been I mean, conquering everything in front of you this season it is not gonna happen. Atalanta will be in the Champions League again next season. As um my dad has become a, a keen user of Twitter recently. I saw him respond to someone that It's great because they have two paths into next season's Champions League. They can finish top four or go on and win this season's competition. He's loving it. He's loving it. But anyway, um, they were undone by two penalty decisions, which we should start off by saying were the correct decisions to give the penalties based on the current interpretations of the rules, particularly in Italy. But when you look at the penalty decisions that Parma weren't given in Rome, that we discussed last week where Gianluca Mancini... Leaned into the ball and stuck his elbow out. And then you see their pulling his arms away into his body. The ball clips his elbow. Louis Muriel had the ball kicked at him from a yard away. It's just more frustration, Vito, about these current rules.
2: I agree. One of the main problems, too, is also consistency, not just the interpretation. When you consider those two things, interpretation and consistency, I think it just makes it very frustrating for um, Italian football fans to really keep track of what's right, what's wrong, so forth. Not only that, uh, incidents like this, because it's Juventus, again, it gives more ammunition for the conspiracy theorists to sort of put more fuel onto the fire and say, oh... Uh, you ever get favours, this and that, blah, blah, blah. So it, in some ways, it does get a bit tiresome as well. Uh, that being said, you do see some incidents where sort of, okay, we'll wear it aside, that's it. And then other times, you know, we'll just pay it. So, yeah, with the first one, the Darun one, reminded me actually of not the last round, but the round before where Lazio lost 3-0 at home to AC Milan. And... and uh, Stefan Radu did something similar to Rune, to Darun and it was given as a handball. And uh, yeah, with these inconsistencies, it's hard, but uh, I think that's where people got to sort of distinguish the difference to what happens in Italy and what happens uh, elsewhere. Because I did see something on Twitter that one of the former referees did say that the way some of the rules are interpreted, uh, some of these actions are interpreted as. Sort of making your body bigger so it does obstruct the ball. So, I think for a lot of people who aren't familiar with the rules, know off by heart, it can be a bit complexing or baffling on first glance.
0: If I if I'm being critical, and this goes for Radu as well as Duroy, it's the turning of the back that frustrates me because you know. And don't get me wrong it's extremely hard not to just instinctively not take the ball in your chest well not necessarily even in your chest maybe it's going to hit you in the face so you sort of kind of turn your body but those two because they've turned their body it's almost made a you know it, it's put their elbow in the way of the ball or whatever so again it's very hard not to do that but i think of, of both, either of the hand balls because they've turned their body they kind of brought their elbow in contact with the ball as opposed to just sort of take him on straight in the chin or whatever.
4: Mm. This is the interesting. A lot of people were talking about the the one against Deron being the the most egregious, but I actually thought the opposite. Because Deron's arms were originally behind his back and he took them out and then took them in, I could understand why that was given. But the Muriel one, I mean, Muriel was just standing there and he was running, so his arm was it was in that position and it was kicked at him from... From so so close he couldn't actually react, there's a still where you see his head is still facing like completely away from his arm, and the one arm that's near the ball he's tried to bring that in, but the other one he thinks is behind him, so it's not gonna touch it and then Iguin like hit the ball against them, and it was a bit unfortunate,
0: yeah, and, I, and I, to go back on the the moment, it's like when you say when he pulls his elbows in and then turns his body actually if he you can see it's instinctive to sort of not get the ball hit you in the chest. If he actually goes front onto it with his pulling his arms in and they hit his elbows in front of his chest, it's possibly not given because his chest is behind it. A bit like a a cricket call where it's sort of leg before wicket type of thing. If it's it's not blocking it, you know, it's pathway or there's something else stopping it. But because he's turned his body as as he sort of kind of done that movement, he he kind of left it left the. I think even without VAR, if the ref sees that, he's he's given him a decision to make.
4: Yeah, well, this is it. The, they were both given before anything was checked. But that's the thing, right? Because Deron takes kicks and he kicks people. He's not... He, he's quite rough and he, he's able to take it. But that shows that it was just instinct, right? So it, it makes it a little bit maddening. But as we said, the, the decisions based on the rules as they are were, were technically correct. But I think that's what people have the problem with. It just it's not it doesn't feel right to to see a penalty awarded for that you know um and as Gasparini said what what are we going to have to do in the future that uh, when we we're, we're, we're defending we'll chop the boys arms off and see how they get on then because there have been an obscene number of penalties awarded in Serie A this year more than any other league in Europe so you would imagine something will be reevaluated um when everybody who makes those decisions, IFAB or whoever to sit down and, and convene again. Anyway, um the other Scudetto challengers are ex-Scudetto challengers, let's be honest, Lazio lost again. I think this is their fourth defeat since the break now. This time to Sassuolo. And Vito, if only somebody had told you guys to always watch Sassuolo.
2: Well, in fact, someone did tell us in... It was you. And uh, I think a lot of people have uh, reaped the benefits because Sassuolo certainly deserved a 2-1 win against uh, Lazio on Saturday. The way the Nero Verdi played, you felt that even when Lazio took the lead, they could still have some hope in this game. And when uh, Chicho Caputo came on in the second half, uh, the Nero Verdi looked like a much better team. And... Uh, The final score was 2-1, but maybe they probably deserved to add a bit more to that win because this uh, Bianco Celesti performance was a bit disappointing, to be honest. They didn't seem to play with the usual vigour, intensity and uh, cohesion that we've seen from them this season. They looked rather dispirited in a way.
4: Yeah, what's happened to Lazio? Because the break shouldn't have deflated them as much as it did. They, they lost to Atalanta. Okay, that took some recovering from. But I'm just looking. Our Alistair McKenzie posted a, a photo of the league table since the restart. That's your 15. The only team beneath, teams beneath them, Genoa, Brescia, parma Alecce and Spal. What's gone wrong?
0: Yeah, I know it shouldn't have disrupted them as much as it has. But they were on... They were on an abnormal run of four you know. I think they only drew uh, the the Rome Derby. Um, you know, I think before that they they sort of won thirteen, and it was almost because that was above and beyond all expectations. They needed that to continue, you know. And then obviously coming back, we've had the the frequency of games. Uh, Alistair actually uh, was tweeting, I think half positively about Sassuolo and and half negatively about Lazio about the the rotation of the players you know and we think about the man who who, who won the game first as he was he was left on the bench and you know that's their that their top scorer and you think well that that is uh, obviously you've got you've got to be able to have the players to do that and we know that that's how i've had some injury issues um i saw uh the something that went up on um fif today uh a chirby is uh reported to have had um uh, should we say uh, exchanged? Exchange, yeah, a bust up with the the physio or the club doctor over the number of injuries they've got, and actually that that is, although they they've been having these games in quick succession, most of the major leagues that have come back have actually experienced uh, lower uh, muscle injuries than they did expect because of the frequency of games. So there's there's clearly some reason why they're suffering um, at Lazio, but you do wonder whether. Again, that run of games before the, the shutdown came because they had a settled side. You know, they, they knew who they were playing with and now they, they just haven't been able to maintain that.
4: Yeah, it's It's just disappointing, isn't it, from a neutral's perspective because Lazio looked like they could very well go on and, and win the title and it's just fallen apart in the most dramatic of circumstances you could possibly imagine. Um, I think we all kind of said on the pod that we expected the break to favour Juve. I know I did. I don't think either of you disagreed with me. And it seems to be proving that way. On to tonight's game, Sunday evening's game, which was uh, a big one. It was Napoli against Milan in the battle for fifth place, which is interesting to say. It finished 2-2, Vito. Both sides led at different points. Milan finished with 10 men, although it was only for the final three or four minutes, I think, that they had 10. Um, Quite an entertaining game and all.
2: Yeah, it was a decent fixture, and uh, yeah, probably could have gone either way. Um, I must say, though, although I reckon the Partenope played the better football in the match, um, I thought that their goals were largely due to Gianluigi Donnarumma having an off day. Um, I'm still, a uh, believe in Donnarumma, but I even accept that uh, he's still prone to the odd error, And especially on the goal that Merton scored, I think he needs to take greater responsibility, especially how he fumbled the ball. So um, not a good look for Milan, especially for someone who has the potential he's got and should be showing a bit more responsibility to spot his young years. And, uh, yeah, with Milan, um, you know, they they have their moments, but uh, at the same time, you know, Aside from the Donnarumma errors, I think there are a few flaws in the team. Uh, particular, another one would be Andrea Conti. I mean, he, he's good going forward. And I think ever since he had that breakthrough season at Atalanta, we've lavished the praise on him because he does have a great upside. Or when he's at his fittest, he can do great things. But I think particularly in this game, he looks rather vulnerable defensively. And early on, Mertens was uh, dribbled, dribbling past him quite easily.
4: Kev, it's going to sound
2: quite basic, but Trees Martins is good, isn't he? Oh, well, yeah, we've, we've said it before
0: since. It it came about under strange circumstances, but as soon as he was switched into the middle, um, you know, his, his goal-scoring rate's been phenomenal. I mean, we always knew he was a good player, wasn't he? He wasn't contributing anything from wide areas when he first joined uh, Napoli. Oh, it must have been nearly 10 years ago. Was it 2011 or 2012?
4: I think it was thirteen, but I'm not Is sure it? on that one. But but yeah, twenty
0: thirteen. Yeah, but as Vito says, he was he was slightly fortunate with the uh, the Donnarumma keeping uh, on his strike.
4: Um, right, I do have two more points that I want you specifically to address. One of them's gonna require a one-word answer, I suppose, and then the other, we'll see. Um, Milan lost 2-1 with Vlatan Ibrahimović on the pitch. Without him, they won 1-0. So part A of this is, would Milan win the Scudetto without Vlatan Ibrahimović? And part two is, Ter Hernandez scored a good goal, Kev.
0: Um, yeah, well, the first part, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> he's he's tiring. You know, I've said this before. He's looking at his age. There's nothing wrong with that. And obviously, it's warm in Italy this time of year, particularly south in Naples. With the... Um, with the Theo Hernandez goal, actually, you know, Vito picked up on the Donnarumma mistakes. I actually couldn't work out what Ospina was doing. The first first part of this, give Hernandez the credit, pulls the ball out of the sky, hits it first time, you know, keeps, keeps his eye on the ball. But I can't work out Ospina if you watch him. And I've watched this a few times because I was I was just trying to work out if I was just kind of being negative towards the Hernandez goal. He seems to jump backwards into the goal, almost as this. And then I can't work out why he's sort of jumping into sort of midair because Hernandez is so close to him. You've almost got to stand upright, just almost a bit like the instinctive. You've just got to take the shot, get two firm feet on the ground and expect that Hernandez is going to strike through the ball into the net and just try and get something onto it. You know, likely is it's going to deflect off you and go in, but actually then Hernandez drills it into the floor. You know, the, probably the only fault in his technique, he hits it into the ground to so take some of the speed off it. But by this point, Ospina's almost jumped on the spot, if not slightly backwards into the goal and just, you know, just flaps at it and it goes past him. I thought he could have done better with that, but technically a you know decent stroke from Hernandez.
4: It's starting to sound like Gary Neville. You can't see a goal <laughs> going without having a pop at the, the goalkeeper.
0: Uh well actually I think it was Roy Keane, wasn't it, that was uh
4: Keane said he wanted to fight David De Gea, yeah. But Neville uh, is notorious <laughs> for having to go at goalkeepers whenever I fancy a goal my chances
0: is scored. against Ospina. But um no I just thought I I think it's I think I think when I actually you know look at it and I I mean it's a very modern goalkeeper thing to do. You know, but but actually saying that when you look at the the best goalkeepers in the world at the moment, if you look at Alisson, even, you know, look back at his time at Roma, he doesn't he catches a lot of the ball. You know, Edison does the same thing. And it's about the positioning and getting themselves set properly for the straight. And actually, I think it's something Donnarumma does quite a lot, lot. If he doesn't, if he, he almost if he overthinks something, he's going for the camera shot, which is almost what Ospina does there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think mean, there's a tendency that's just built in over maybe the last 10 years to do that. Whereas the, go- the best goalkeepers are those that stay firm, do the simple things, get their position right, get their feet right.
4: If you know, Frank scored a penalty. He gets a lot of flack. But is he one of the best penalty takers in Sarriac?
1: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
2: Well, he doesn't uh, do anything fancy. He just bangs it in and that's it. So, um, yeah, um, it's good to have him as a penalty taker. Just nice, composed, banging in, keep it simple. Yeah, I reckon he probably deserves a bit more praise for that. And even in general, with his uh, performances, I think since the break, he's actually done pretty well because he allows the more attack-minded or more creative midfielders or attacking players the freedom to do their thing, more or less.
4: Why do you think it is that he gets so much... I'm not going to say abuse, but maybe undue criticism.
2: Well, I think a lot of it's due to the way he broke out at uh, Atalanta. I think the way he played in Gasparini's system, he was more or less a two-way midfielder. I mean, he'd help out defensively and all that, but he was chipping in with some nice goals too. He knew how to get into goal-scoring positions and actually finish them off. At AC Milan, he can get into scoring positions from time to time, but some of his shots can be rather perplexing. It's not like he scores goals like the one he did against Silvia a few days ago. So I suppose there's that expectation. And then from another expectation part, it's just the fact that uh, Milan in the last few years, with the disappointments and struggles, I think they're just looking for more heroes. And... uh, when uh, Kessie has a bad game, unfortunately, he cops uh, his uh, share of criticism, and sometimes it's quite exaggerated.
4: Yeah, I quite like him. I still think there's a player there, you know. He's obviously not hit the heights that he was expected to hit, but I don't think that's entirely his fault, the, the pressure that was put on him and the expectations that were put on him. But anyway, um, bit Brascia, 3 uh, 0. Kev, are these the most 2020 Serie goal scorers. You can imagine, given how weird this year is, Federico Fazio, Nikola Kalinic, and um, the return from injury, Nicola Zaniolo.
0: Yeah, well, I suppose the, the last one we should say that we're all happy to see Zaniolo score. You know, after expecting him not to complete the season, so coronavirus has given us one absolutely. thing, absolutely, um, if, if nothing else. But there was, um, I kind of watched this and um, let's face it, I got i got a bit disinterested with it even being nil-nil in the first half because when I saw the teams, I saw Roma um, throwing in Kalinic or resting Dzeko, depending on how you look at it, and thinking, wow, that's how bad Brescia are because Roma aren't, are <laughs> you know, it's not outside of the realms of possibility that, that Roma could lose their European place, yet they rested... Uh, a, a decent number of their players to to play Brescia and then not only that, they turn them over 3 0. I think it was a it was a great indication of where these two sides are, how um unlikely it is Brescia are getting anything out of this campaign. And the comfort maybe even that, that Roma feel that um well so I suppose even supposed to, well like Milan are kind of in that position for European football because of Napoli's Copper Italia win. Uh, but. They're nine
4: points off safety. 15 points to play for or no there is there are six rounds left aren't there
0: well uh, i wrote down 21 points last week so i was just deducting my, right no,
4: there are there are six rounds left so we both <laughs> made a mistake is uh, that an apology? no we both made a mistake you said three by five was 18 uh, i said 38 minus 32 was five so we both made errors <laughs> oh, I just said
0: 18. You're going to have to go back so, and check that recording. Okay,
4: yeah, there are there are 18 points left to play for. I'll hold my hands up there. Um, Rash are nine points off safety. They're gone. Damage spiles. Done. As done as it can be without it being done. So there is that just just that one place left to play for, which is probably going to be a straight shootout between Genoa and Lecce. But anyway, we'll come to that in a moment. You were speaking about people, Kev, that not to not to trivialise the virus or anything like that, but that this break has given a, an opportunity to, and Nicolo Zagnolo is obviously one, Roberto Inglese is very much another, and I cannot quite express just how happy I am that it was him, Roberto Inglese, who scored in the 96th minute to complete yet another Parma comeback in stoppage time this season at the Tardini, Thanks, guys. I really appreciate that, considering I do all of their games. But it was his first game in 176 days and his first goal in 286 days. Kev, guess what minute of the match his last Parma goal came in? It's
0: either going to be early or late, but I'll go 90 plus 1. 88.
4: You're close. You're close. It's the 88th minute and that too was a decisive goal. Um, I'm pretty sure he came off the bench to beat Torino 3-2 back in I believe September. So it's great to see Bobby English back and back on the goals. Kev you look like you're itching to say something. Yes I didn't want to interrupt and um, did he start this evening? He didn't start this evening. He came on in the second half.
0: He, uh, he seems to have quite a big impact on the highlights and I was just considering him for my player of the week. So.
4: Um, he, he cannot be a contender for player of the week unless it's a sentimental thing. He had two real involvements. One of them was a shot cleared off the line when it was still 2-0. And then he got the goal to, to level it all up. But I mean, in terms of the emotion, I wouldn't be opposed to him getting it because he's had a horrible couple of years. And whenever he's played for Parma, he's looked so promising and he brings so much to the team. And I do think Parma are a far better side with him in it. But, yeah, um, maybe that's something we'll discuss a little bit when, when we go off air with the, the Mr. Team of the Week, Vito Doria, as well probably has a say on that. But Vito, the, the Derby de la Miglia, I mean, what a terrible start from Parma. They were 2-0 down after 16 minutes, I think it was. But what is it about this side? They just they keep making comebacks that you don't expect them to make.
2: Uh, it's quite remarkable because with parma um i find them to be a more effective and workmanlike side than a team that has any um general flair if you like if anything the flair will come from players like kulusevsky and jovino and they do have a couple others but uh, aside from those two um they have a lot of the a lot of grit and solidarity in this team so I think uh, what Roberto D'Aversa has done is created a side that's really going to make things tough for any opponent, regardless if it's Bologna or someone else. So, Also, Juraj Kutska, I think he gives the team a lot of energy and uh, strength, so he's always someone that's going to uh, put in a good shift uh, for D'Aversa and the rest of the side. So I think when you have those combative players that can still do something on the ball as well, I think that makes a difference too. And if you have the right mindset, which Parma do have, they're not a team that will be complacent. Even if they're not a team that will play in a gung-ho manner, they are a team that will play till the final whistle. And it's evident that they did it today against the Felcine.
4: I'm writing a piece about this at the moment, but it's something that needs to be discussed because in seven my games this season, there have been goals scored after the 88th minute and in 5 of those games the results have be or the the goals have been result changing so a, an equalizer or or a winner um against Sassuolo Torino Brescia Roma and now Bologna those those goals have gone in palma's favor only against Milan and Inter have they not Kev it's it's not just a trend, right? It's not just a fluke that this is happening with with Diversa's side. If it happened two or three times, okay, maybe. Seven.
0: Yeah, no, I think um, doing that so consistently builds a confidence and you can actually see it in the latter stages of, of, of games where, you know, you'll know as um, someone that's actually in a stadium quite often that you can kind of feel the way that the game's going. And I, I actually watched it going back to Lazio for a second, almost the opposite of that. So against, I think it was against Torino, it was certainly against Lecce, where there was just a sense of panic. You know, they had a lot of the ball towards the end of the game, but it, it the players was almost, you know, was, there's was too much urgency, um, a, a lack of idea of where they were going with it. Whereas you watch Parma and you feel it coming because you can almost feel their confidence that if they ke- if they keep doing what they're doing, you know, what they know they're doing, and again, with other sides, again, you know, I'm probably not just say that this is Lazio, but other sides, when it comes to these final minutes, they're just lumping the ball in. You know, it's out it's out of context as to how they usually play. You know, they don't usually put long crosses, whereas Palmer just continue as they've been playing, with a confidence that a goal slowly comes, <laughs> and it comes. And, and I think it, it, it's, it's doing it, and it almost becomes then um, muscle memory, whatever we call it.
4: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I was speaking to, to Alistair McKenzie about this shortly after the, the final whistle in the, the Napoli game, which he did the report for. He was asking me, "Oh, how did you, how did you enjoy your, um, your rewrite at the Tardini? And I, I said something, which I think he, Alistair probably thought I was joking, but I'm deadly serious, which is that when I'm at a Parma game now, I don't write very much until there's about five minutes left because what's the point? It always has to be rewritten. So I leave it until the last possible minute now. And even tonight, left it until the 91st, it was ready to go. And I still had to, to rewrite it all. They just keep doing it. It's crazy. And after they got that first goal through Kurtich, as soon as they started attacking again, there was a feeling. The, the press box was a bit more full than it has been. But the people who were there at Parma Games every week, we kind of knew what was coming. Like We all stood up because we're thinking we, we've seen Palma do this before and they're not rushing things. They're just going about it, like, as you said, Kev, as they do. And it told. But the other thing I'm going to touch on in my article, which will be available on Monday morning, um, is that Roberto D'Aversa tried something very, very different today. Uh, Palma, obviously, four three three every week, more or less the same 11 as well. And if not, you know what the changes to that eleven are going to be. The Versa named a team today that nobody knew what was happening. Everyone in the press box spent the first five ten minutes talking to each other, trying to work out what the formation was. It was something between a four four two and a five three two and a five two one two whatever that is, um, and it was a disaster. Then the second half. Kulusewski and Karamuk he went back to 4-3-3 and Parma were excellent. So I don't think Daverso will be trying any tactical rotations in, in the coming weeks. Uh, maybe if he works on some of those over the summer, he'll be more confident and the players will be more at ease with the new system. But um, big point for Parma. I'm happy for them. Absolutely over the moon for Bobby English. How can you not be? Nice guy. Lovely hair. Great striker. And He's been through it. He's been through it. On to some ah, some positivity from you, Vito Doria. Genoa two, Spal nil. A big boost for the Grifona in their in their survival hopes.
2: Yeah, well, Spal had two jobs to do. I mean, one was to sort of enhance any chance of them trying to survive, and the second one was try and beat Genoa. They failed on both counts. So, yeah, that was disappointing. And at least for Genoa, they can count on the experience of uh, Pandev and Schoenner to put the ball in the back of the net.
4: Pandev's amazing, Kev, isn't he? He's 73 years old and he's still doing jobs.
0: Yeah, see, when this ball sort of fell to him, as soon as he kind of took that touch past the spout defender even though it was coming onto his weaker right foot. I think I said goal before it went in because you know, because I fully expected him to put it, you know, put it past the keeper. And then almost continually for the rest of the afternoon, particularly because uh, Vito's man um uh, Quagliarella scored, nearly forgot it then. Um, I was wondering, yeah, I think they must be about the same age. And I was thinking, actually, who's had the better career? In uh, in Syria, but but to give Pandev obviously some love before we move on to to Sam later, you know the, what he's done not being a not being an Italian, um you know the what, what he gave to Lazio, what he gave to Inter, what he's doing now for Genoa. I think actually his experience to sort of get them over the line in these games where it's crucial they pick up points will be crucial to Genoa staying up.
4: Considering Goran Pandev won the Coppa Italia with Lazio. Serie A, the Coppa Italia twice, the Super Cup the Champions League, the Club World Cup with Inter, the Coppa Italia twice with Napoli. I think Pando's had the more decorated career, but.
0: Yeah, I think But then you get someone like Qualiere. I think the issue with Qualiere, if he's not won so much but had a longer period where he maybe became somebody's top scorer, then you can kind of you know balance those out you know maybe not being so decorated because well let's say a, a di natale you know what he gave to Udinese didn't win that many trophies but you'd probably argue that he was you know about level for the influence that he had as Pandev, either, you know across other clubs but anyway that's probably for another longer podcast
4: it is crazy how long Pandev has been in A, though i mean he came to italy in 2001 he's been here since he's only had one club outside of italy he's played for it Inter, Spezia, Ancona, Lazio, Inter, Napoli, Napoli. Oh, sorry, then Galatasaray and then back to Genoa. But it's not a bad career he's had. So, kind of, I think this is his last season as well, Vito. Am I right in that? I think he's retiring at the end of this season.
2: Ooh, i got to be honest. I think I might have stumbled upon something saying that he will call it quits. But... Uh... Don't quote me on it, but uh look, yeah. side that he's at, Janoa, I think overall he's had a pretty impressive career. And when you consider that probably out of all the former Yugoslav republics, uh, North Macedonia is probably the one uh, that's probably not as uh, illustrious or has had the richer football history in comparison to, in comparison to say, Serbia or Croatia. I think... Um, uh, he's easily the greatest player. And uh, in general, what he's done in club football, I think, has been uh, still pretty impressive, especially with the CV that he's had, as we mentioned just before.
4: There's an article for one of you to write for the end of the season. Um, an ode, a tribute to, to Goran Pandev. So we'll speak after. Right, Vito, you can stop biting your tongue now because Sampa also won. Fabio Quagliarella scored again. Um, big win, 3-1, Samp are safe. It was
2: against yeah. Udinese, I should say, sorry. <laughs> and in Udine too, so, um, yeah, it's always great to get points on the road, and for someone like us, who were look, looking like an outside contender for a relegation place, but, uh, yeah, definitely a vital win, and uh, all four goals, even the Udinese one, they were all excellent goals, so... Yeah, um, well, the first one was from Kevin Lasagna, where he managed to just barge through the leaky sump defence. But uh, Yoshida had to you know, shrug him off, so that was pretty good. But Cuellarella, well, that goal was nice. Torsby with the long ball into the box, Ekdal knocks the ball down, and then nice swim from Cuellarella. And the thing is, that Quarella goal wasn't the best goal of the game. The best goal of the game was the goal to make it 2-1 from uh, Bonazzoli. Um yeah, it was a nice ball into the box. I think it might have been, I can't remember. But uh, uh, the ball took a deflection off her with a defender. And then Bonazzoli, for his third goal of the season, a beautiful bicycle kick. I mean, is uh, he a guy that was touted to become something special. He hasn't lived up to it yet, but that was a fantastic strike. And then Gabiadini. after that, Yoshida long ball. Bet Noitink, who had just got a goal disallowed. Uh, beautiful first touch on the outside of his left boot and then just to curl it in. I mean, sumptuous
4: goal. I wanted to ask you about Bonazzoli because he, you touched on it. He was expected to have quite a big career as every young Italian forward is. But he hasn't quite done it. Um, what have you made of him at, at Samp? Uh,
2: look, I'm not going to compare him to... Patania because I think Patania is physically stronger. We've seen that at Atalanta and at Spal Um, but uh, he's probably a fraction more mobile, maybe a little bit cleaner in terms of the ball but I think a guy like him is more about perhaps work ethic or just trying to be like a more advanced playmaker type thing, more the guy that links up and Acts as a target, more than anything, I don't think at this stage he looks like an overly prolific scorer. But this season, given the circumstances, I think with the time that he's had, he makes some decent contributions. Um, I don't think he's going to be scoring 15 20 goals next season, but I think he's a guy that you know, if a, if a player is injured or if he can make a cameo. I think he can make an impact on the team and do the right things for whoever's coaching the side. So um, I think another thing too is he's had mostly lower division experience. He's had some loan spells in Serie B. So uh, even then he didn't register big numbers. So I think with him, just to be familiar with senior football and being a part of the team, I think at this stage, look, I'm not overly disappointed with him, but uh, I think uh, I think he's doing okay. But I'm willing to give him time. I don't think we should uh, put too much expectations on him. But uh, I think that goal will definitely be the highlight of his season. It would be very hard to top it at this stage.
4: Kev, yeah, there was a bit of excitement in Florence. Elas went won a up against Fiorentina. Davide Farah only scored a really nice goal. And then... Patrick Coutrano leveled in the
0: 98th minute. Um, Finished one each. Yeah, there was also a a handball when we look at the Atalanta ones that that wasn't given. You know, again, it's just one of those bizarre ones. One's given somewhere, and one's given um, not else. Fiorentina looked like, you know, just from watching the highlights, looked like they deserved to at least get a point out of it. But they were lucky with it coming in so late. But um, you kind of give them that because it was a... Uh, it was almost an ingenious pass from uh, Chiesa to sort of slide it through an almost packed defence, and then Cotroni to sort of just toe-poke it, you know, not think about it, not, not try and do anything. He probably had yards to work with and just sort of poke it past the goalkeeper.
4: Sorry, I was asleep there momentarily. Oh,
0: like lots of the people watching Fiorentina Verona, are <laughs> right know.
4: Um, and then Vita, lastly, Cali Riletti finished scoreless. In Sardinia, Ben Hughes did the report for us from this one. Um, seems like Lecce probably could have taken all three points but didn't.
2: No, well, I think that's one of Lecce's main problems is that uh, they don't really have a decent striker that can convert the chances that they do create. Because I've said in previous editions of the pod that they do actually have some decent creative players who can help them survive relegation and create chances. But um, talking about promising players, uh, Kuma Babaka, I think he hasn't lived up to the expectations that were put upon him. And uh, without Lapadou on the side, okay, he's a good worker and he chips in with goals and there. But uh, even if he was playing or was fit, um uh, I don't think he's producing enough goals in Serie A anyway. So, yeah, I think it's going to be tough for them. And uh, at the moment, I'm a bit pessimistic regarding the Salentini surviving. I think, as we touched upon earlier, when you have play- it's like uh, Pandev and Schoen at Genoa with their experience and their skill set, um, I think it's going to make uh, things tough for Lecce to stay up.
4: All right, well, just before we finish, we, we're going to play the game, guys. Um, I've not got a card this time, but I've got a player loaded up on my phone. Okay. Um, you know the rules. I think, Vito, you won in the last game. Am I correct? <coughs> Kev won. Did you win?
0: Yes. Luigi. Giuseppe.
4: Yes. Luigi. Giuseppe. Okay, right. Well, that means, Kev, you start. You know the rules. Yes or no answer questions. If, you, if my answer is yes, you continue with questions. If my answer is no, it changes to the other person. So, um, And they're always Serie A players, obviously. Otherwise, what would be the point? Let's go. Is it Bruno Alves? It's not Bruno Alves. <laughs> no. um, is that your real go or, or do you want to... No, that's my go, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this is play Italian... He's not Italian. I need to write these clues down, because last week I made a mess, didn't I? Does
0: does Uh, he play for Parma?
4: He does not play for Parma.
2: Okay. Does he play for a team
4: in the European spots? He does not play for a team in European spots.
0: Does he play for a side battling relegation? He does
4: does play for his side battling relegation.
0: Is he Italian?
4: He is. That question has already been asked.
0: Oh, oh well, there you go. Shows that was my first one. one. Yeah, question.
4: so Sorry. I will go back. It's, it's Vito's turn, just to remind you the clues. He's not Italian. He's not a Parma player. He's not competing for Europe. He is battling against relegation.
2: Okay, foreign player. Okay, um right well most of the teams are from the north so I'm not gonna bother with that question so i'll go by region um okay is this uh player okay does this player's club come from uh Lombardia
4: uh they do not come from Lombardia I liked that you let us in while you were trying to think of clears you spoke you didn't make it silent, which means I've less editing to do. So, very much appreciate that. Thank you, Vito. Kev, he's not Italian. He's not a Parma player. He's not competing for Europe. His team are not from Lombardia, and he is battling against relegation.
0: Is he older than 30?
4: He is older than 30.
0: Is it a striker?
4: It's not a striker.
0: Okay.
2: Not a striker.
4: I think this is a good one, you know. I'm very happy with this.
2: Okay. Okay, is uh, this player's team from uh, Liguria?
4: The team are from Liguria.
2: Okay, is this a Sampdoria player?
4: It's not a Sampdoria player. So, Kev, you know what that means, but I'm not going to tell you just in case you don't.
2: No, I know
0: what it means. I'm (laughs) I'm now thinking that they're foreign players.
4: This is the most excited you've ever been about this game. I feel like I've got a good one.
0: (laughs) Um, So they play for Genoa.
4: They do play for Genoa, yes. Uh, Are they an attacker? Right, well, Vito has already asked if they're a striker. No,
0: I actually asked striker. Okay,
4: right. You could have.
0: Uh, see, I didn't want to go midfield because you might class somebody as an attacker or a winger.
4: Okay, right, fine. Um, They're not an attacker, no. Okay.
0: Mm.
4: <laughs> 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 okay. Yeah. Right, is
2: this, right, is this player a midfielder?
4: He's not a midfielder, <laughs> no. Vito, I want you to win this one, but I don't Uh-oh. I think your knowledge will win in the end. I don't think Kev's going to get it.
0: No, because I can only think of a few Genoa defenders.
4: Right. Well, remember the mistake Vito made last week.
0: Yes, they, I know. But
4: There are still two positions left. Defender and goalkeeper are what's left.
0: Oh, yeah, I know. But I've just said what I said and you've said, well, don't make the same mistake. And I can only think of Perenna's Genoa's goalkeeper because I can't think who well actually I can only think of my Mar- my key Marchetti Mar- 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 the Oh god. Are they a defender?
4: Yes, it is a defender. Okay.
0: Let's just go. Is it Romero?
4: It's not.
2: Who? It's your guy, Rio. So general defender who's a foreigner and he's over thirty.
4: Yeah. I oh, wanna fuck. see your hands. I don't want either of you typing.
2: Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> all right okay um i just want to get back on the screen so all right mm.
4: that's suspicious kevin that
2: <laughs> oh wow I got, yeah nothing um oh i'm absolutely stumped i mean right do you want a yeah, clue well please, please. Okay.
4: right hang on who who went yeah. first kev went first so Kev has had more questions so after your your next question, Vito, I'll give you a clue.
0: Technically, I haven't had more questions because Vito got two right, So then he went a uh, second time twice. Right. Okay.
4: Do you want the clue now?
0: Yeah, just go. For
4: it. He's South American.
0: Okay. I... Well, I, think I've, <laughs> I've... I think I I think I my South American bet. Is 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 Vito? Hang so. on,
4: it's Vito's That's... go.
2: Yeah. Oh look, I'm actually. That's because
4: oh, you can pass if you want.
2: Yeah, I want to pass because I'm I'm absolutely stumped. Oh man, who's who's a farmer oh, I, I know who stay? it is.
4: This is such a good one. I'm so happy about this because you I know both who it definitely is, but know when still
0: there.
4: You hmm. know who it is, but you don't know if he's still there. Yes,
0: yeah, so I'll I'll have, I'll have a question before I announce it. In so, has he captained Genoa? I don't know. Okay, then. I'll just come out and say, is it Nicola Badiso? No, it's not. See, now, I'm not sure if he's still there, but I did see him captain Genoa against Sam mm. back in February. Nah,
2: he's called a quits. Yeah, so that's why I didn't go for him. Okay. Um, oh, right. I have man. another
4: clue. He is the first player of his nationality to play for Genoa.
2: No. <laughs> Oh, he's going to um, Sorry. We could be here to the cows coming home because I'm not familiar with general bench right? Well, I like, he's not that's, what, he's that's
0: what Connor wants because he's got no friends.
2: right? Well, like, I've got well, a lot you look of at right? the defense there's Biraski Romero Crisito, the defenders, uh, Sumaro Maziello. Uh, who's this Bacala? I mean, are we meant to care about this Stronzo? Um, I
4: wonder. <laughs> if I've made a a really big mistake. I don't think I have. Um, (laughs) If you have. Can
0: you give us the right
4: answer? According to Wikipedia, (laughs) he has 58 caps for his country Mm -hmm. and 12 appearances for Genoa, as well as playing for two other Serie A sides. One is a bigger club than Genoa. One is a smaller club than Genoa. Mm -hmm. Both are heavily ridiculed on this podcast and he's over 30 yeah whose go is it now oh wait wait now uh now i've realized it and that's because i've totally
2: forgotten that he's actually gone there
4: right well this is you've got it then i think
2: is it my turn
4: oh it is your turn yeah is it christian zapata it is christian
0: Uh, Zapata.
4: damn is it true that he's duvan's cousin or is that like a myth he played the no, other I've week. Heard okay. to, no, I've
2: heard... No, I've read they're actually cousins. Yeah, yeah okay. I've even seen in an interview in like a Zeta Sport. Yeah. They talk about, you know, how they're cousins and... Okay. Relations.
4: Let me just yeah. take note. So... All right. The score guys- post-COVID is one each.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Aside from the fact I haven't been watching Genoa lately, I mean... Uh, Zapata, I think in the later half of the season, he hasn't played as much so, yeah you know that's what, why he click.
0: You, that know, you know what, there, there's a couple of podcasts that I listen to and uh, they have a gambling advert at the end, or a gambling <laughs> section <laughs> and that's when I turn off, and I imagine any listeners to this podcast
4: oh, yeah. <laughs> turn off when they get to this game I mean, I'm not, doing, I'm not doing it for that, I don't care about them <laughs> no, no, I'm doing it for me <laughs> I just enjoy seeing Kev sweat a bit And getting a bit annoyed
2: Yeah oh. I'll tell you which clue Was the giveaway it Was the fact that they were clubs That get ridiculed You know, Yeah I thought that like, I, was, and I, thought, I was We, we criticised Udinezi Or poke fun at Udinezi So I thought yeah I
4: South was America about 10 probably. seconds away from telling you His surname <laughs> seeing if you <laughs> get his first Uh, Say goodbye, guys Bye
0: Ciao, ciao,
3: everyone No gol, sempre gol del campionato sono la gloria, Parma, Ozza Parma, questo è il grido di battaglia, Parma, Ozza Parma, con i gol, sempre gol, siamo tifosi e contro bandiere, accompagniamo la squadra del cuore. Oh Parma, sei forte! Batteremo le squadre avversarie, mai nessuno li potrà fermare. Sono forti e sanno lottare, fanno gol, sempre gol, del campionato sulla la gloria. Forza Parma, forza Parma, questo è il grido di battaglia. Tá am